Welcome to Conversations with Mother Earth, brought to you by Grounded Press. My name is Dana Petrovic, and each week my guests and I explore one aspect of Mother Earth and the gifts that she gives us. We also discuss why these gifts are so precious and why we should value them. We got you curious? Good. We love curiosity. Let's start. In episode six, we covered the topic of breath, but from the perspective of understanding how breath connects us to Mother Earth and our direct environment. Today, we are again returning to this topic, but from the overall perspective of personal health. As we all know, the quality of air directly affects our well-being. Trust me, I know as I currently live and work in China. My today's guest, Dan Frule, is a perfect person for this topic of breathing as he has decades, decades of experience and is considered the legend of breath work. Dan is a modern-day teacher, healer, and a world-renowned pioneer in the field of breathing. He, he is one of the creators of breath therapy, and since 1970, Dan has personally trained over 250,000 people in 67 countries to use breathing for self-improvement, self-healing, and spiritual awakening. Mm. He has trained Olympic athletes and elite combatants such as martial arts professionals. He coaches leading medical experts, corporate executives, and peak performers, including Tony Robbins. He's out, the author of several books, including Just Breathe, Master Breathwork for Success in Life, Love, Business, and Beyond. Then, Welcome to Conversations with Mother Earth. My pleasure. <laughs> so tell um, my listeners, um, how did you originally start? What motivated you to start with breathwork? Oh, wow. You know, I was a small child in Catholic school. And, uh, in, you know, and the priest talking about uh, the first book of the Bible, Genesis, and how God took dust of the earth and formed the body of man and breathed into the nostrils of man, the breath of life. Wow, that was just so exciting. As a little five-year-old kid, I couldn't understand why everybody wasn't excited. And uh, so, I don't know, some little spark. There was something magical, something mystical about the breath. And then, um, you know, I had I was the kid who was having breath-holding contests in the schoolyard, you know, organizing the competitions. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I learned CPR right out of high school. I was an x-ray technician and I was already, I was resuscitating people. Wow. Uh, what a miracle. You come upon somebody who's clinically dead, you blow into them and they blink and wake up. What a wow. miracle. Yeah. 
And uh, and then in the military, I was a deep sea diver. So I was mixing gases. I was practicing breath holding. I was doing underwater uh, rescue. So breathing and breath holding was everything. And I also learned that by managing our breath, we manage our arousal. We manage our emotional state. We manage our chemistry. Uh, and so I just kept going deeper and deeper into the work. And uh, we don't have a real Western tradition about uh, spiritual breathing. So I had to go to India and China and anywhere I had ever heard there was anybody who knew anything about the breath. I was kissing their feet or breathing down their neck until I could <laughs> learn from them whatever I could <laughs> and then move on to the next teacher. And I'm still doing that, but I've accumulated quite a few students along the trail here in the last 45, 50 years. And uh, so, yeah, I'm a missionary for the breath. I, I don't think it was ever a conscious choice. Uh, life just kept bringing me back to the breath, no matter where I tried to go or what else I tried to do. I kept coming back to the breath. And so that's my job is to bring people back to their breath. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's a beautiful job. And there is something funny. I have to point this out because I, I, I don't have that, these opportunities that, that often anymore. But you are actually doing this longer than I have been alive on this planet. So that's, that's incredible. <laughs> that's truly incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I, even, people, even people say they've been doing breath work for 20 years. I go, wow, you're still a newbie to me. <laughs> so, but it's good. We need, uh, we need, and I guess it's part of the awakening on the planet. Yeah. People are just becoming more conscious and automatically they are uncovering potentials. They're being guided towards certain practices and teachers and so on. It's, it's all part of the big divine plan, you know? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk about that uh, a bit later in more detail. So you mentioned um, a few elements, the chemistry in our body and all that. So the obvious, the obvious benefit is, as you mentioned, is to, to keep us alive. You mentioned saving people from clinical deaths just by breathing just by giving them the breath what are other benefits of breath well i mean we more of the world comes in contact with us in our lungs than any other way the surface area if you were to take the lungs including all the alveoli and spread it out the surface area would be half of a tennis court oh wow and so yeah, so more of the more of the world comes in intimate contact with us than we can see or touch or feel. So breath is the way that we are keeping our connection to life on this planet alive. Yeah. And the air that we're breathing, we are exchanging with nature, with the trees, right? So there's this there's a symbiosis, there's this connection. I remember somebody once pointed out to me that said, you know, we can live without our arms, we can live without our legs, we can live without a lot of things, but you can't live without the sun, not for one moment. You can't live without the earth, not for one moment. So what is a bigger part of us, our arms, our legs, or the earth and the sun? Yes. Which is more essential part of us? And I think people are realizing that we are bigger than we think. 
Um, you know, every cell in my body, if it could think, it would think it was a separate individual entity unto itself. And each cell is an individual. It moves by itself. It eats by itself. It excretes waste. It, it communicates with other cells. And so on one level, it is on one level, it is separate. But those cells make up an organ. All those millions of cells come together and they create one organ. And then that organ thinks, it's a separate individual entity unto itself, but that organ together with other organs is part of a system. And then that system, my body mind system thinks that it's separate from all the other body mind systems, but we are part of something bigger and it goes on like that forever and ever. Exactly. And, um, and the sooner we wake up to that, the better it'll be for everyone because we can't hurt the planet without hurting ourselves. We can't hurting ourselves without hurting each other. And because we're all connected, I think that's the thing that the breath, that's the thing that breathwork awakens at the most precious thing that breathwork awakens is this experience of connectedness. You know, it's one thing intellectually and philosophically to say, oh, we are all one, we're all connected. But to have a biological experience of that, to have a cellular experience of that, that's so important. And the breath does that. The breath gives us this experience of being connected to this one energy in the universe that is in everything and in everyone. It surrounds you and it fills you. It surrounds the rocks and the moon and the stars. And so it's that one energy of existence. And that's who we are. We're a form of that. And, uh, but, and so we're bigger than our form. And breath gives people an actual experience that they they transcend their body and mind. They're part of something bigger. Yeah. A, yeah. a, a unity, yeah, exactly. a wholeness of life, of existence. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. We are all one. This is uh, fundamentally yeah. the message of my book, Oneness Adventure with Mother Earth. We are all one. And uh, exactly that, I, we talk about the connection in, um, I mean, I, I mentioned in the episode six, um, where I talked about bread before. We are connected to the tree outside. We are connected to trees a little further down. We are connected to other human beings. If, if the, this virus pointed out one thing to us, then it's that that we are connected uh, all with each other. Yeah. So then tell us. Uh, yeah, the tell idea of separation, the idea of separation is an illusion. Yeah. It's sometimes a, a, a convenient social device. Okay, this is my body, that's your body, and they're different. So there's a, there's a it's kind of convenient socially, but essentially, uh, there's just one being, being you and being me and being everything. So one, the one sooner we awaken to that, one being one energy right exactly yeah yeah gaia <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah i completely agree with you um then tell my listeners and viewers what 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 does it mean what is the right breath or the correct breath how would you define that well it's it's alive and it adjusts moment to moment to our energy demand, to the emotions that we're processing. Um, you know, breathing is a behavior, right? We have to remember breathing is a behavior. Some behaviors will make you rich. Other behaviors, you'll end up in jail. But most, for most people, it's an unconscious behavior. Uh, 
So right now, when I'm speaking, for example, I'm using my breath to help me communicate in the same way I might use my hands to help me communicate. And so while my breath is busy helping me to communicate, it may not be serving my physiology, for example. Um, and what if I use my breath, for example, if you don't want to feel something or if you want to hide, you hold your breath. And so now the breath is serving me by making me invisible, <laughs> um, but it's not serving my physiology anymore, right? So um, we have unconscious breathing habits that may be serving us in one way, but they're actually interfering in another way or not serving us in another way. So uh, there are so many levels and dimensions of breathing. There's a physiological level, oxygen, carbon dioxide, and the nitrogen, the exchange of gases, and so on. There's all of the muscular, skeletal, structural elements of breathing. But there's also beyond the chemistry and the physiology and the anatomy, there's this subtle aspect of the breath, right? Prana, chi, ki, life force, spirit. Um, and that's the breath within the breath, right? And that's something that we as breath workers, as practitioners, that's a big goal is to connect to the energy in the breath. So we're not just breathing air, we're breathing energy. And one of my favorite teachers said that the real uh, essence of this practice of breath work is the merging of the outer breath, which is air, and the merging of that with the inner breath, which is spirit. And so through the breath, we can connect to our spirit. And once we connect to our spirit, we have infinite intelligence is within our reach. We can access wisdom and intuition and the wisdom of the ages and our ancestors. And so the breath is this brilliant way to connect to spirit, our higher self, our undiscovered un, uh, potentials. And uh, that's the, actually the, the synopsis of my book, Just Breathe, is that all of the high states and the extraordinary abilities that we once assigned only to the great masters, or the, you know, the Buddha and the great warriors and the saints, those same high states and those same extraordinary abilities are accessible to anyone through the breath. That's and um, nice. so that's that's my goal is to help people to find a way to use their breath to connect to their spirit, to connect to each other, to connect to the earth, and ultimately connect to the source of life through yeah. the breath. Yeah, that's a very good point because uh, what you mentioned, we writers sometimes sit there and wait for what we say for the muse to kiss us so that we can continue <laughs> writing when we have the writer's block. Actually, we should just breathe, <laughs> connect with infinite inspiration. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, breathing is, you know, what, 70% of the metabolic waste, the toxins in our body are released through breathing. Only 3% through defecation, through bowel movements, and 7% through urination, and 20% through perspiration. So that leaves 70%, which we is we release through respiration. So the better we breathe, the healthier we are. Uh, physically, emotionally, psychologically, and spiritually. That's an incredible number. I, I was not aware of that. I knew that. Yeah. Wow, that's incredible. That's, that's so if you think working up a good sweat or having regular bowel movements is important, you've got to think about breathing because it's 
It's where the mother load of all of our metabolic wastes are released moment by moment, breath by breath. And something we do 20,000 times a day, if you improve it even a little bit, that that turns into a very big benefit in your life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. Um, then you mentioned on your website also that the influence of breath on our moods or the how moods mm-hmm. simply change um, by changing the way we breathe. Can you elaborate more a little yeah. bit on that? Yeah, well, we know that when we are, when we're angry and upset and afraid, we breathe in a certain way, the breath has a certain quality. And it's very different than when we're relaxed and happy and peaceful. Our breathing is different. And so when our emotional state changes, if I'm sitting here at peace and relaxed, my breath is smooth, it's deep, it's slow. And then suddenly there's a shock or an emergency. (gasps) Immediately, the breath reacts and responds, right? And so um, it's a two-way street. Every time our emotional state changes, our breathing pattern changes. Every time our psychological state changes, our breathing pattern changes. Our physiological chemical state changes, our breathing pattern changes. And it's a two-way street. When we change our breathing pattern, we can change our state. And there are certain breathing patterns that are associated with certain emotional states, psychological states, chemical states. And when you identify those breathing patterns and you breathe in that way, you can move yourself out of any state into any other state using your breath. It's a very powerful tool for changing states, shifting your emotions, your moods, and so on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing that I, I, that I see with my students, and I, I used to be like that, I talk about that in the episode six, is this sense of the, our, we live in our heads. And uh, breathing also help us, helps us to ground, helps us arrive here and now, because when we are in here and now, we actually make better decisions, <laughs> we are more present, we are, we are more successful fundamentally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why a very simple, very simple, very beautiful, powerful practice is stand outside, bare feet on the ground and send the breath down into your belly. And when you breathe in, imagine inhaling into the floor of your pelvis. So you're getting into the root chakra and you can even start to breathe energy up and down from the earth into your body back and forth. So you can draw energy up from the earth with the breath because the diaphragm, you know, you got this big diaphragm and it's in a tube and it's like a pump. And as you're moving this diaphragm, it's pumping energy. And so you can use your breathing to pump energy from the earth into your body and renew and restore yourself. And the earth wants to take our, our waste. <laughs> You know, we can, we can release into the earth that which we don't need. The earth absorbs it like compost. It just recycles it, you know. So a conscious relationship to the earth using your breath brings alive that connection. Yes. And, okay. and you start by just imagining, visualizing. You could use movements of your hands to show what you're doing with the breath, drawing, sending energy into the earth, drawing energy up. And through this practice, it wakes up this connection to the earth in a very beautiful way. And unless the body feels safe and grounded, it's not going to let us fly. 
And so breathing in, into the belly and, and, and standing on the earth and very consciously breathing into the earth and drawing energy up, that makes the body feel grounded and safe and relaxed. And then we have energy is free to explore the astral world or creative pursuits. And our body won't be saying, hey, help, help, help. You know, the body needs to feel connected to the earth. Yes. Trees have roots, right? So trees have roots. So they're, 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 they're built into the earth. We don't have roots. So we have to consciously make that connection to the earth. And we do that with consciousness and with breath and with intention. Exactly what we talk about there in, in episode six. It's exactly from uh, the direct connection to exactly that, to the connection to grounding ourselves. That's, that is so important for us human beings because yeah. we are part, as we said earlier, of our great mother. And anybody who yeah. practices yoga, I mean, we hear this in, in yoga a lot, prana, chi, and all this. Anybody who practices yoga is familiar of, uh, of so many aspects of breathing. But one, uh, one thing is, how is it that we can do that during the yoga? Consciously breathe and get oxygenate our, our organs, depending on the position we take. But why is it that we can't do that in our daily work? Uh, how can we connect these two dots? Well, you know, Hatha yoga, which is the most popular form of yoga on the planet, um, didn't even exist in Patanjali's day. Patanjali, Patanjali, who's considered the father of yoga. He uh, was the author of the Yoga Sutras. He didn't invent yoga, but he took all the yogic wisdom of his day and he put it into a system that really works. Well, Hatha yoga didn't even exist in his time. And so if someone were to ask him, hey, what's the perfect asana? What's the perfect yogic pose? I think he would, you know, he would say any position where your body is not a distraction to the inner work. Yoga is about inner work. And many people get hung up on the on the surface look. You know, you buy all the yoga clothes and you, you know, you, you do all the surface stuff, but missing the essence. And breath is the essence of yoga. The yogis, ancient yogis, invented pranayama in order to regulate their mind. And um, so they they understood the link between breath and consciousness. And uh, a smooth, quiet breath creates a smooth, relaxed, quiet mind and a smooth, relaxed body and vice versa. An active mind activates the breath, uh, you know, a nervous body, you know, activates the breath. There's that two way street again. So yoga is the, the science of. Of connecting to God, you could say, or to the ultimate reality, you know, it's a path. And the breath is a central part of all yogic practices. And most people just, they pay lip service to it, or, you know, they breathe in four, they hold six, they exhale 12, but they're lacking a certain sensitivity or a certain intention or a certain awareness. Yeah. And that's what lights up the power of the breath is our conscious intention. To connect with the source, the conscious intention to connect yes. with the source. Because uh, when we do properly the yoga, we have this feeling inside us. I mean, it's it's right there. You we feel we feel as a part of that. We can even sometimes distinguish between a good yoga session and a not so good because it's this inner feeling of being one with everything. Yeah, and once you've awakened this 
awareness of energy. Everybody's always talking about energy. You know, oh, I like your energy or, oh, this place has strength. What are we really talking about? Breathwork awakens this energy so you can't help but feel it. And when you feel it, you realize it's not just inside of you, but it's around you. And it's also in everyone else. And so it causes us to get out of our own way. You know, the, the breath opens us to a greater consciousness you could say exactly. our connection again to existence yeah. itself and not just our body yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's um you mentioned feelings um breathing also nerds lots of emotions yeah <laughs> yeah see what happens is you're the the uh, feelings are locked in the body memories are stored in the body and when you start pumping breath into all the cracks and crevices and spaces of your body you start bringing up all the stuff that's stored there and um, so it works a couple of ways first of all breath works to activate that energy but the breath also helps us to process it to integrate it or to release it if that's what's required um, and so, up. yeah, in the end, it's all about energy. <laughs> yeah, we it's clean up every nook and cranny, actually. We do, we do like sweeping, like uh, dusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. House cleaning. Breath is a fire. It burns away our, our toxins. It burns away our blockages. It blur- burns away our ignorance. And uh, it burns away the... The, the veil that seems to separate us exactly, separation. from exactly. really parts of ourselves. Yeah. 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 Exactly. That's a separate, exactly. That's what you're pointing out. The separation from ourselves. Exactly. It's a very good point. And when you work with your customers, I think you mentioned in one of your interviews, you mentioned that you, that a lot of uh, emotions, of course, get unearthed, as we said, and people start crying. Mm-hmm. Our relationship with crying, depending on the, which part of the world we live in, is, let's say, controversial, put it as that. In some <laughs> uh, areas, crying might be seen as a weakness and something to be frowned upon. What are your thoughts on crying and what happens um, to our brand mm-hmm. during that time? Yeah. I mean, when we have a really a deep, genuine sob, you know, <laughs> you can see what it does to the breathing. It shakes up the breathing. And so, it's, and the same thing with a good belly laugh, right? When you really have a good belly laugh, you see what happens to the breath. You know? <laughs> and so the, the laughter and the crying is the best way that our body mind system has for processing powerful feelings until we teach it a new way and then we use the breath to process those emotions so you can breathe you know because if a powerful emotion comes notice one of the first things that happen is our throat chokes up right (laughs) and it's as if the throat is closing up because the emotion is so powerful the body's trying to protect itself from that powerful energy and so when we learn how to breathe We can process that energy and it takes the stress off the body and it takes the stress off the mind. We learn to channel that emotional energy through the breath and that relieves the body-mind system of the work of having to fight it, defend itself against it, or even navigate it. Some emotions are so powerful 
uh, you know, we need a way to navigate them and the breath becomes an, a way to navigate uh, powerful emotions, let's say. Yeah, yeah, we have to, because grieving, we have to still continue to live our lives most of the time while we also grieve. And, that, and during a session, people will start to cry, and when they do, or laugh, or whatever, and when they do, we just encourage them to breathe at the same time. So you just learn how to breathe, you know, while you're laughing or crying, and you do it very consciously, and you can see how it just transforms. Everybody's had this experience where you were laughing, and it turned into crying, or you were crying, and it turned into laughing. At yeah. some point, the energy just shifted, and you went from laughing to crying or crying to laughing. Well, with the breath, we get a handle on that shift, and we can trigger that shift with the breath so that powerful emotions that make us suffer and sad, we can transform them into something that inspires us and we can even celebrate. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So I, I, I'm trying to imagine some of these group sessions that you have with your clients and how that, how that works. Because laughing and crying are both very contagious. So what happens? Does everybody start yeah. laughing if one, one person has a good laugh? It is. It's contagious, definitely. But, you know, yawning is contagious. Yes. Relaxation is contagious. Fear is contagious. Joy is contagious. I mean, everything's contagious because it's about energy. And so, yeah, breathing in groups, it's very powerful because everybody's energy field is kind of overlapping. And, and we're not just processing our own stuff. We're processing the stuff of the people around us. So it's a really, really powerful and beautiful state to... People need to breathe alone. They need to breathe with a partner. They need to breathe in little triads, three people, and they need to learn to breathe in bigger groups. And when you take the breath to all those different uh, times and situations, you discover different things about you, your reactions, your responses, um, and so on. So it's really, really, and people who breathe together, they connect in a way that you couldn't connect otherwise. People get very, very close, very quickly when they breathe together. You know, after one breathing session, people feel like they've known each other forever, you know, one hour, and they feel like they've known each other forever. So it it, it, it really works on that level of connection. Yes, exactly, because we have to access our, the knowledge, the knowledge we have around us. Um, it's exactly, uh, you also do re rebirthing mm -hmm. techniques. I did this some, I think 15 years ago in Munich. Tell us more about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, rebirthing was uh, developed by Leonard Orr originally uh, in the mid 70s. Uh, he was one of my one of my first teachers. I had a couple breathing teachers before him, but he was he was my first, I could say, spiritual breathing teacher, Leonard Orr. And rebirthing is well, what he discovered was that um, when you breathe and relax. Uh, that allows deep memories to come to the surface. And in the early rebirthing days, almost everyone was remembering and re-experiencing their birth during a breathing session. And so we even called it rebirthing because it was as if when we were first born, we didn't really have time to really explore the breath and play with the breath. We had to breathe or die. 
And so we learned enough to breathe to survive, but we really didn't unlock all the potential of the breath. We just, you know, and you maybe somebody slapped you or shook you into breathing, you know? And so your first experience of the world was traumatic. You know, you're cold, you're wet, you just went through the birth canal, you're separated from your mother, you're experiencing this bombardment of sensations on a raw nervous system, and that's so traumatic. And most people never recover from their birth. I remember there was these books in the 70s called, Is There Life After Death? Really, the question is, is there life after birth? Because birth can can cause such a trauma that we break our connection to our purpose, to our body, and uh, to our to God and to spirit. The trauma was so intense. And so rebirthing was about re-experiencing the birth and changing the negative impressions into positive ones. For example, what are some of the impressions you could get as a little infant being born? Well, my mother doesn't like me. She just kicked me out of her, right? The world came to an end. I was in the womb. I was in heaven. And now suddenly the world's closing in on me. I pop out in this place like a fish out of water. And, and it's traumatic and it's confusing and, and, uh, and, and all of our systems are coming online, digestive, immune, everything's coming online at once. And during that birth experience, many people, you could say, could blow a fuse. They could sever a, a, a thread of contact with their purpose, with their mission, with their source. And so birth trauma, we discovered, was one of the first and the main things that uh, we call consciousness factors, things that get in the way of our full free expression of our ultimate potential. And, uh, and so that birth trauma was one of the first things that if you don't heal it, you're going to live with it forever and uh, it's going to stay in your way forever. So, for example, struggling. If you had to struggle to get through the birth canal and you had to struggle to be born, struggling becomes almost identical with living. And so if you're not struggling, you don't think you're alive. And so you keep creating more struggle in your life because it's an unconscious pattern. Or or the idea that pain follows pleasure. Nine months we were in the womb and it was blissful and we were connected to God and we didn't know where our, our body ended and where our mother began. We were living in this unity consciousness. And then all that was broken and destroyed, and most people never reconnect to that, right? So uh, rebirthing was about that, was about reconnecting the same energy that built my body in the womb, reconnect with that energy, and then use my breath to change, like pain follows pleasure. So I was at pleasure of the womb. And then it was followed by pain of birth. Now, the next time I experience pleasure, I'm going to awaken my fear that pain yeah. is going to follow. Yeah, exactly. And so that's birth trauma. That's literally a classic pattern of birth trauma, that pain follows pleasure. And then I'll say no to pleasure because pain is going to follow it. So it, it just creates so many unconscious patterns and tendencies. And so rebirthing was about just burning all that stuff out, starting with a nice, clean, fresh slate. Who do I want to be? How do I want to be? And instead of having the feeling that life is against me or the world is a cruel place, uh, uh, we have a different idea that life supports me, that the universe loves me. And that's a change in our psyche. Uh, due 
it's a correction of a traumatic injury uh, experience. Yes, it is. It is. I, I still vividly remember it, especially for people who are struggling with arrival on this planet, who, who might not feel at home, who might not feel welcomed. Um, for me, it was to, uh, to see my family welcoming me, being happy that I was born. That, that feeling, we don't, we don't normally we disconnect from that. It might be from so many reasons, events that happen in between. But to connect again to this feeling that my family is, is uh, pleased, pleased that I'm there. My family welcomed me. I am welcome. That is yeah. tremendous. Yeah, very, very important because not everybody had that experience. You know, oh, we want a boy. I'm going to have a boy. Oh, yeah. it's a girl. Yes, exactly. And we feel that, right? We feel that. And so uh, it's unconscious, but it, it has an effect on our energy, on our creativity, on, on the comfort we have in our own body. And so breathing just heals. And it's not just birth, but early life programming and conditioning. You know, for the first few years of our life, we're basically in a hypnotic trance. Everything is downloaded directly into our subconscious. We don't have any discriminating rational mind. It doesn't develop until three, four, five years old, right? So for the first couple of years, we're pure feeling beings, pure limbic system. And that's the area where the breath can do the work. We can't get to that through talk therapy. You can't even put words to some of these feelings, right? So through the breath, we access them, we heal them, we transform the energy, um, and we just keep becoming more and more alive. Exactly, exactly. That was, that was incredible, truly an incredible experience. As I said, it was 15 years ago, but I still I have fond memories of that. Uh, then for yeah. a little bit of help to our listeners, um, can you illustrate to our listeners a few practical tricks on how we can use the breathing to improve our mood right there on a spot, for example, if we are not, if we are in a meeting that is, uh, yeah, not going well and you're frustrated, how can we help ourselves? So three things like if you need to upregulate, that is you're down and depressed and you need to generate energy to meet a challenge or do you need to downregulate? Are you hyper? Are you anxious? And you need to calm your system down. And the third is, am I off center? Am I out of balance? And how do I how do I come back to my center, my access? So I think those are the first most three important skills or abilities to get with the breath. And so everything starts with breath awareness. We have to develop this ability to observe our own breathing, to sense our own breathing, to track our breath moment to moment on the inhale and noticing the sensations, all the feelings, the movements, what muscles you use, the sound in the breath. So already it's meditation. We are meditating on the breath, medi developing meditative awareness, because the more conscious I become of my breathing, the more conscious I become of my posture, the more conscious I become of my moods, my thoughts, my words, my actions, and so on. The more aware I am of my breath, the more aware I am of life around me. So everything starts with breath awareness, and that's the first practice that people need to commit to. And that is the practice of breath watching or breath awareness. 
It's the development of meditative awareness. It's meditation. But the object of my meditation is the breath. I could meditate on a candle. I could use a mantra. I could meditate on a picture of a saint. Or I can meditate on my breath. And that's that's what breath work is about. So everything starts with awareness. Can you become more conscious of any details in your breathing? So right now, anybody who's listening, if you breathe in through your nose and you pay attention to the sensations at the tip of your nose, and can you tune into those details? And can you track the breath further and in, deeper into your nasal passages and up into your sinuses and your skull? And as you breathe, can you feel and experience the breath there deeper in the nose and in the sinuses and your skull? And you're watching and feeling. And then in the throat, as the breath comes down in the throat, can you focus on your breath and feel the breath in the throat and maybe you even make that little ujjaya sound that darth veda a yogic technique of creating a little constriction in your throat so you have a sound to the breath so now you're tuning into the subtle and you're looking for details that you didn't notice before and then you pick up the breath in the form of movements in your chest in the form of movements in your belly so this is the, and you don't have to breathe in any special way the idea is to just become more conscious of your breathing more aware of your breath tune into the details of the inhale the exhale the rhythm the speed the location of the breath the volume uh, the muscles you use the sounds in the breath you just dive in with your awareness and you meditate moment to moment on the breath that's half of breath work and it's the first most important step so you need to do that in the morning when you wake up before you get going in your day spend a few minutes tune into your breathing how am i breathing how does it feel to breathe what does it feel like tune into the details meditate on the inhale meditate on the exhale meditate during any pauses and there and now you're you've come to center and then if you depending on what mood you're in if you need to activate yourself you lean into your inhale so inhale activates sympathetic branch of the nervous system exhale activates the parasympathetic rest and digest sympathetic is fight flight action so on Sympath parasympathetic is rest and recover and digest so if you want to relax you lean into the exhale you extend your exhale you slow it down if you want to energize yourself you lean into the inhale you increase the volume you increase the speed and you can do various different breathing techniques to energize yourself and you can do various breathing techniques to calm and relax yourself and you can use a breathing technique to bring yourself into the center where you're energized and calm where you're uh you're really alive but you're very peaceful and that combination of peace and power energy and relaxation that's the sweet spot. That's when you're in the zone. That's when you're in the flow. So we use the breath to hack into our nervous system. And you can upregulate, downregulate, or you can center yourself. And it's just little skills. It's just practice. Yeah, yeah. That's, actually, most of the things you mentioned, we can also do actually anywhere. We can do it in a meeting. We can do it in a subway, except for the dark, dark Vader sound. <laughs> That's not so good to do in a meeting. But other than that, we can do all these practices literally anywhere if we, if we need to, if we want to get, uh, get into the moment. 
Right. And as soon as you focus on your breathing, you are taking energy and awareness from something else, maybe something that's bothering you, maybe something that's... So you're redirecting your energy, and that's very powerful to have that ability to redirect your energy. And so when you are focusing on your breathing, you are not doing what you usually would do in that moment by habit. And so it creates a space for new possibility. Every time you decide to breathe consciously, you are getting a handle on your creativity, on your energy, on your awareness, and then you can direct it the way you choose and not just by habit or pattern or see if I'm neurotic and I make a choice, who's choosing me or my neuroses? If I'm afraid and I do something, who's doing it? Me or my fear? And so we use the breath to disconnect from those things that can control us and, and stop us and bring ourselves back to our own source, our own soul, our own self. And then we can make conscious choices instead of being automatically re reacting to, you know, the crazy stuff that's happening around us, we can start to get some space from that. And even in the middle of chaos, we can be very clear and very calm. That's one of the gifts of yes. breath mastery. Exactly. Exactly. That's, um, and you're mentioning because the, the moment of when we get agitated, when we get uh, a little bit, maybe uh, when, as you said, um, nervous or even in a panic, I'm talking, I talked about this in episode 12, about a moment of panic I had here a few months ago. And this, uh, the, the reason for this panic, actually, the roots for this panic were laid 30 years ago. And mm -hmm. I, I had it, I forgot about it, actually, until the trigger was there to release this panic in me. Oh, my God, they'll find me. Uh, yeah. And it, it was actually the breath, just like you said, the breath. No, I, I, sorry, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm getting a call, so I can't demonstrate right now. I'm safe. I'm okay. I, everything is okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and let's see, the body understands that language of the breath. And so if you're nervous and upset, all you need to do is slow your breathing down, very consciously count Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Like that one to two breath, for example, exhale twice as long as the inhale. That's how you trigger the parasympathetic branch. That's how you calm yourself down, get a handle on your anxiety. Breathing low into your belly and breathing slow, that's anti-anxiety, anti-stress breathing. And if you want to energize yourself, then you're going to breathe in a different way, right? So we learn that the breath is a powerful tool and we can use it in many different ways. It's really fascinating um, than how much we can do for ourselves with simple, yeah. <laughs> simple uh, art of breathing. It's, uh, yeah. It's, uh, the tool we take advantage. Right we we yeah, we, we always take for granted and we overlook the simplest things, but the simplest things always turn out to be the most powerful. I mean, you know, every day people are out in the world and they just take for granted the air that we breathe, the trees that are around us, the sun on our face, the, you know, the oceans and the rivers. We just, 
you know, we need to give these things conscious attention. They are part of us. We are part of them. And um, so, you know, the rivers of the earth are sim- represent the bloodstream in our body. And uh, the conflict we have in our own mind is projected out into the world in conflict between nations and exactly. political parties. Exactly. And so if we could do this inner healing, the planet would heal by itself. If each of us did our own inner healing, the whole planet would be healed. So, you know, we help each other by doing our own work. We, we help the earth by raising our own vibrations. We help ourselves by raising the vibrations of the planet. And because we're all in this together. Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely. They talk about this exactly with my very, very very, extraordinary young man. I I talked about uh, with him in episode 12, a young activist and war refugee from Syria. And we talk about finding peace. Exactly that. How how to find peace after traumatic events that he experienced. It's exactly that. The healing, the healing process. Yeah, yeah. Breathing and... and Well, there is a place... There's a place inside of us um, that cannot be touched by anything that happened in the world, cannot be influenced. It's a place of pure peace, of bliss, of joy, of creativity, of love. And the breath, if we follow the breath, it's like a thread. It takes us to that place, that source within us of peace and joy. And, and, And it could be simple as a sigh of relief. If you practice a normal sigh of relief, which is an inhale that's twice as big as normal, and then you exaggerate the exhale, and when you let the breath go, relax your jaw, relax your shoulders, relax your muscles, and then the breath, as the breath is pouring out of you, it will carry this tension away. So the combination of breathing and relaxation, that's how we do a lot of the inner work. And so with one sigh of relief, if you practice and practice, I can take one sigh of relief. And I can use it to drop down into a quiet place in myself, a center in myself. It's like leaving the surface and dropping into the center, leaving the periphery and dropping down into the depths of my being. And so with practice, I can connect to that deepest part of me anytime, anywhere. And then I can come back up and I meet the world and what I say is better, what I do works better because we're in touch with this source of wisdom inside of ourselves. And so it's very useful, just a sigh of relief and and just learning how to let go and drop in to that place of peace. Because that place of peace lives inside of us. It's how do we get to it? How do we access it? And intention and the breath is how we access it. That's a very good point because lungs and our heart are located approximately in the same area. So we, but we say we, we go into our heart and we make different decisions when we make them out of our heart. And, that, and it's no accident that the lungs are wrapped around the heart. Exactly. You cannot breathe without doing something to your heart space. Exactly. <laughs> and so there's a beautiful meditation. When you breathe, you breathe into your heart. And with each breath, with each breath, you're like growing your heart, 
opening your heart, expanding your heart. It's a beautiful meditation, like a breathing meditation where you focus on your heart. And with every breath, you literally make your heart bigger until it's bigger than your body, until it's bigger than your city, until it's bigger than the earth and everything is living in your heart and you love it all. (laughs) Exactly. And we we love the whole planet. We love it. We love everybody. That's exactly what it is. Then I know why you're called the legend of the breath work i completely understand <laughs> um, incredible work that you are doing and so valuable i would like to finish with the sanskrit proverb you have in the beginning of your book for breath is life and if you breathe well you will long live long on earth and this is fundamentally what you said at the beginning of of this session when you were talking about cpr and breathing life into people, we actually constantly are connected with life, as you pointed out. How can we, or how can we, let's how to put, how can breath win over cell phones and other distraction in our daily life? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Um... <sighs> Yeah, there's something about the human spirit that transcends time and space and limitations. Um, you know, we're not the first ones to walk this planet. We're, we, we don't have any new feelings that, it, that, that millions of other beings before us haven't had. We're, we're, we're part of a larger family of humanity and even larger than humanity of the cosmos. So it's a matter of intention, I think, and, and making use of our childlike imagination to dare to, you know, dream of certain things and then put the power of the breath behind it. So, for example, the Buddhists, you know, it's a, it's a Buddhist practice where, I don't know, every day, probably millions of Buddhist monks face the four directions of the compass and they just send out peaceful vibrations. Now, as crazy as the world is, I think it would be a lot worse if there weren't people doing that kind of stuff. And so we, we, we can use our breath to make a difference in the world. What kind of energy do you want to put out into the world? You can choose that energy. You generate love or peace or joy in your own heart. And then you send it out into the world. So this is real. We, we generate energy with our heart, our intention and our breath, and then we can pump that energy out into the world. And many people are putting the energy of violence and fear and conflict into the world. And we can be putting a different kind of energy. It's just a choice, a heartfelt intention powered by the breath, and we can change the world. Exactly. So we can make a conscious choice to concentrate on breathing before we take our phones and allow them to trigger negative emotions because this is in the search for our attention the world around us is doing all sorts of things to to get our attention sometimes but triggering negative emotions in us because we then get agitated and and we can consciously actually make a decision to to avoid that yeah Uh, yeah so you take a breath like your phone rings Take a breath and then answer the phone. Yeah. And then when you hang the phone up, take a breath before you do the next thing. If somebody asks you a question, 
take a breath and then answer the question. If somebody says something that touches you, like in a good way, instead of going, oh, thank you, yeah, that reminds me, blah, 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 take a breath. If somebody says something that upsets you, take a breath. So you start to use and you inject conscious breaths into your everyday life and it begins to transform your everyday life. It becomes magical. Yeah, a very good point. After this conversation, I'm sure my listeners will want to find you. Where can they find you? Are you on social media? I found you on LinkedIn. Oh, yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Breathmastery.com. I'm easy to find. Um, on Instagram, I'm at Dan Brule Official. Um, and I'm on Facebook, Dan Brule Breath Mastery. You can find me on Facebook. It's hard. If you Google breath work, it's hard not to find me. But the best place to start is probably breathmastery.com and my Instagram account, uh, at Dan Brule Official. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, a lot of valuable information there, listeners. There, I can guarantee you that uh, it's indeed. Then, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us, with with my listeners and me. This is truly precious, um, wonderful work. Well, thank, thank you, you, thank you for thank you for waking people up to uh, the larger reality around us. <laughs> <laughs> It's my joy. I enjoy doing it. I love doing it in, in all of my work. It's conversations with Mother Earth and Mother Earth talks. <laughs> She's not silent, as you know. Um, yeah. Your listeners, your viewers, this concludes today's conversation. In the future, I hope that you see breath for what it is. Life itself. Next week, We will use our breath again in order to inhale the smell of rain. Thank you.